The Point is Recovery podcast is brought to you by Turning Point of Tampa, a family-owned addiction treatment program in the heart of Tampa Bay. Founded in 1987, Turning Point of Tampa provides licensed residential and intensive outpatient treatment for people suffering with addiction and eating disorders. If you or someone you know needs help, please call us at 1-800-397-3006. You can find more information about our programs in the show notes. On the Point is Recovery podcast, our goal is to speak with guests who offer personal stories, professional experience, and relevant information to people and their families facing addiction. We are advocates and people in long-term recovery, working to end the stigma that has long plagued addiction and mental health. Addiction continues to be a serious national public health crisis. Estimates are that as many as 81,000 people died of a drug overdose in the 12 months leading up to May of 2020. Access to addiction treatment has increased with the passage of the Affordable Care Act and the Mental Health Parity Addiction Equity Act. On today's episode, we will discuss how the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers, also known as NAATP, has stepped up to address the needs of the addiction treatment industry through public policy. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> that was a mouthful. Yes, it Good was. Good job. Nailed it. So, Thank uh, you. We were going over a previous podcast, and I, I'm learning more and more that I talk way, way too quickly. So I'm going to do my best to be mindful to not talk. I don't know if it's like the Northeast Philly thing, but I'm going to do my best. So um, Ashley, would you please introduce our guest? Yes, absolutely. Today's guest is Mark Dunn. Mark Dunn represents NAATP in Washington, D.C. As policy representative, Mark represents NAATP on Capitol Hill, at the various federal agencies, and with coalition partners. He advises NAATP and the board on the broad range of public policy issues important to NAATP members. Mark is a partner at Veritas Advisors, a public affairs firm with over 150 years of combined federal government affairs experience. Are you there, sir? Yes. <laughs> Great. All thank right. you for joining Good. us today. Yes, thank you uh-huh. for coming. I appreciate it. We all appreciate it. Um, so Ashley gave a very kind of cursory overview of what NAATP is. Can you just maybe expound upon that a little bit and then touch on exactly um, who the partners and the members, you know, what that consists of? Sure. National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers um, is – one of the prominent um, addiction treatment associations in the country and um, has been uh, around for many years and represents over a thousand facilities across the country. And represents exactly how, what does that mean? As a trade association, we provide uh, ongoing education for members. We do podcasts regarding relevant topics of the day. And certainly one of the more prominent aspects of what we do is represent the field uh, in terms of public policy at uh, the federal and sometimes the state level. Okay. Now the members that you spoke of, are they all treatment providers? Are there other fields that are represented? No, the, the membership is comprised of addiction treatment providers. Okay. All right. So for you personally, what led you to get um, to begin working in the field of addiction? I'm a person in long-term recovery, and as oh, luck wow. would have it... Very cool. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. 
as luck would have it, my sponsor uh, was very involved with NAATP. And at the time, the association was uh, comprised of a staff of one and a half people. Oh, wow. So it was a very small organization. And they wanted to become more active in public policy. So I have uh, been involved in public policy really all of my adult life. And my sponsor said, you know, you need to get to know these people. They're great folks and they could use your expertise. So I started attending board meetings at my own expense and actually advised and represented NAATP for about three years just uh, as, you know, as a free gratis sort of thing. I'm open about it. Uh, You know, I, uh, this May, I will, I will celebrate 33 years. Oh, wow. And so... Um, this, uh, doing what I do for NAATP is an avenue for me to kind of give back Absolutely. based on my own recovery. That's awesome. And so it's very, it's very gratifying for me when we are, you know, able to impact laws, uh, that help people who are still in need, uh, all over the country. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mark, can you tell us how NAATP, what role they play in public policy? Who who are the policymakers that NAATP is speaking with? Like, what's a typical day like for you in Washington, D.C.? <laughs> there, there's no such thing as a typical day <laughs> in Washington. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, we have evolved over the years, and our influence, I believe, has grown largely as a result of the involvement of our membership. So our members across the country uh, have been encouraged and have gotten to know their members of Congress and uh, as a result as a constituent can make those contacts and request uh, policy actions that influence the field. So uh, we talk to members of Congress, we talk to the administration, and we certainly work with other partners, uh, associations in a coalition. Have you had any conversation with the incoming staffers, anyone on the transition team for Joe Biden? Yes, we have. Uh, we've been. I've been asked twice to meet with transition team members for the new president, and uh, dealing specifically with recommendations regarding the Office of National Drug uh, Policy. And uh, Sam Shaw. Wow, that's cool. It's very encouraging to hear. So you mentioned Congress. Can you explain for listeners? I don't, you know, most of us do not have a political science degree. Um, I know I'm still kind of learning as well how the legislative process works. If members of NAATP make it to Capitol Hill to advocate for something, or if you as working in public policy on behalf of NAATP or going to Capitol Hill, the information that you're sharing with them, what are they then do with it? What are they legislating with that information? Well, there are many ways to impact uh, public policy through the legislative process. Um, But if NAATP, for example, has an issue that impacts our members, We develop a white paper explaining what that issue is and what the solution may be from our standpoint. Okay. 
we we then take that to uh, to members of Congress to first the relevant committees and then you know reach beyond the the committees and ask that they uh, translate that into uh, legislative action. Now, oftentimes in this Congress, as it's developed, uh, individual bills get rolled into larger packages of legislation. So, uh, for example, a few years ago, uh, the House passed a major um, substance use disorder package of bills that contained uh, over 100 individual pieces of legislation. And in that package, uh, we had four or five bills that we considered high priority. Hmm. And so, you know, it has to first go through the committee process. Uh, It then goes to the full floor of the House and then is transferred to the Senate and goes through the same process there. Uh, Committee process, hearings, and then um, hopefully is passed by the full Senate and then if no changes were made, it's sent to the president for his signature. Well, thank you for that explanation. So you, yeah. so you said there were four or five top like priority ones. Could you just explain which maybe an example of what one of those would be or was? Yeah. Um, there were a number of bills included in that. At the time, NAATP was undergoing a process of raising the bar for professionalism within our own membership. Mm -hmm. And we were, the field was experiencing some problems with regard to unethical behavior that impacted our, you know, our longstanding good members. So in terms of false advertising, uh, stealing websites, that sort of thing, this package contained a language that uh, made that a felony. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. So is there, is Congress currently considering any legislation that will affect people suffering with addiction or mental health issues? Are there any new policies that maybe you all are advocating for? Well, the new Congress is just coming back to work. So all of the bills that were introduced in the previous Congress uh, disappear. So everything has to be reintroduced uh, every time, every two years, every time there's a new Congress. So we will be working certainly with the new administration and the newly elected members of Congress on a host of issues that impact the field. You know, first, first being support for our membership who have suffered greatly during the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mark, can you explain what mental health parity is and talk about any recent bills or provisions that have addressed it? I know I listened to a webinar recently that talked about mental health parity in depth, and there were a lot of things in there that I did not know, just kind of how long fraught of a process it was to get mental health parity passed, and then what has to happen after it passed, and I guess to explain to the listeners what it is and how it is a good thing for addiction treatment. Yeah, the Mental Health uh, Parity Act was passed in uh, 2007 and signed by President Bush 
the field had actually been working to pass parity for the past 14 years previous to that. So it was a major milestone to finally make it happen. And basically, it says that insurance companies cannot discriminate their coverage in, for mental health or substance use disorder treatment. So if they offer levels of care for uh, other types of medical conditions, they have to offer the same thing for mental health and substance use disorder care. In terms of, in terms of coverage through it, is that what you mean? Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so right. basically, if I if I understand it right, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, that it is, if you were to put addiction treatment next to some other type of medical treatment, insurance is charged with looking at those two separate things as essentially the same, meaning if you're going to cover someone for a medical procedure, then you have to cover equally for addiction treatment or mental health care. Yes, that's true. Okay. Insurance companies cannot um, impose limitations mm. for mental health or substance use disorder that are different from those of other medical conditions. For example, they couldn't put a lifetime limit on amount of coverage for substance use disorder if they don't do the same thing for other medical conditions. And is there any system of checks and balance on that? Essentially, like, do they come back and check and make sure that, you know, people are following the law? <laughs> well, that's a very good question. Um, unfortunately, after, after parity was passed, it took uh, almost six years for the rules to be written mm. to implement it and enforce it. Partly because uh, it was simply a matter of timing. Um, it was passed or signed by uh, President Bush. And just as he was going out of office and uh, President Obama came in, and his major focus, of course, was the Affordable Care Act. Mm -hmm. So the bureaucratic structure was engaged primarily in drafting the rules to implement the Affordable Care Act, and parity just kind of got left uh, behind. So it took much longer than it normally would have to get the, the rules written for parity. Therefore, there was no mechanism really for enforcement. Mm. That's unfortunate. Yes. So during that time, then, arguably, I guess you could say people that needed the coverage or needed the you know insurance provider to cover their treatment were not getting the treatment that they needed? Well, some, some insurance companies recognized that it was the law of the land and uh, certainly made progress. Uh, we had some members who were pretty aggressive uh, with the, you know, their utilization review folks and okay. pushed the insurance companies to cover as the law stated. But as a general rule, a lot of people fell through the cracks during that time and did not get the coverage that they uh, needed and deserved. So what do you see as the difference now? Is it, is it, more solid footing? Are they getting the coverage that they need, or is it still kind of an up, uphill battle? Well, the rules were finally written, and during the process of enacting the Affordable Care Act, enforcement was delegated to the states. So it has kind of been a state-by-state -state process. Okay. Congress has passed uh, two or three additional enforcement uh, bills since then, 
which have helped a great deal. But we still deal uh, with states where parity is kind of not a priority and therefore is not enforced to the extent it should be. Mm-hmm. Mark, is there any piece of uh, legislation that NAATP advocated for that you're particularly proud of? Well, NAATP has been involved in many pieces of legislation, as you can imagine. But one that really stands out uh, was really during the rulemaking process, whereby the uh, Obama administration was developing the 10 essential benefits for the Affordable Care Act. And during that discussion, there was a lot of debate about whether or not residential treatment for substance use disorder ought to be included. Mm. We were very fortunate because at that time, um, we had an excellent relationship with the uh, Addiction Treatment and Recovery Caucus in Congress and asked them to uh, put pressure on the administration to make sure that residential treatment was included. They did that, and, uh, you know, we're happily it, it was included. I must say we, we also made the request of Vice President Biden, who uh, has always been very supportive of the field, and uh, he also weighed in to make sure that residential treatment was included. So that has really benefited, uh, you know, millions of recovering people around the country, and it's something that we're very proud of. Yeah. It's it's also very interesting to hear you talk about different caucuses that are in Congress. You know, just the one that you just mentioned, the Addiction Treatment Caucus, is... I are there never guessed. Yeah. yeah. Are there other groups, caucuses, different groups within Congress, within the Senate, that that is their focus, either mental health, addiction. I know that I've seen um, some people from the National Eating Disorder Association go and advocate for eating disorder treatment as well. So I would I would guess maybe there are some different groups amongst Congress and Senate focused on those yes, things. Yes, there are. Yeah, there, there are any number of uh, different caucuses that are bipartisan in nature and organized around a particular issue. And so we've been fortunate to have a number of members who care and prioritize substance use disorder issues who have participated in the congressional uh, caucus that, uh, you know, uh, deals with, with substance use disorder issues. How do they decide who's a member of the caucus? Is it, are, are they appointed, assigned, or, you know, you hear all the time on the news, somebody is a member of this committee or that committee. Is it more of something that they're personally interested in? Is that's how they get in the caucus? Yeah. Okay. Right. For for these informal caucuses, it's not an official role within the Congress. Okay. It's, it's more of a, a, a loosely organized uh, group of members. Okay. And, you know, it, it just depends on what their personal interests are. And sometimes... Uh, it depends on what their constituency is asking for. So if your member of Congress is not a member of that particular caucus and you were to go to them and say, you know, we would really appreciate it if you would participate and support the issues around uh, addiction and, and treatment and recovery, uh, oftentimes they will join just on that basis. Is, is there... 
Is there something that you can think of in particular that you would suggest to just, you know, everyday people, citizens and states to do to get more involved in the legislative process? Well, I would say, uh, you know, get to know who your members of Congress are, meet with their staff and them personally, if it's at all possible, attend um, town hall meetings and, and those kinds of events to understand who they are and where they're coming from, what's important to them. And it also gives uh, citizens the opportunity to express their viewpoint. And, you know, members of Congress represent their constituents. And so those types of communications are, are very helpful and very important. All right. Great. Thank you. So is there anything that you would like to talk about? Maybe plug your podcast, if you like. Anything that you think would be informative for our listeners that maybe we haven't touched upon yet? As director of public policy for NAATP, I draft what are called public policy updates, and we send those out to all of the membership. We try to make those as relevant and important to the members as possible. So uh, we would encourage anyone on our mailing list to respond to those. Oftentimes we are asking for some sort of uh, action to be taken. And, you know, if it's contacting your member of Congress or the senator or an administration official, those are things that are important to the field. And uh, when we have members who respond to those and actually pick up the phone or or write an email, it, it does really make a difference. Do people that are not members of NAATP have access to that public policy information on your website? Uh, they do on the website, okay. um, but when we send them out, we we only send them to to members. Yeah, and what we do on all the episodes of the podcast is we have show notes, so we'll put the website for NAATP in the show notes so that anyone listening to the episode can access that information. Okay, great. That'd be that'd be great. So uh, on behalf of Ashley, myself, Joan, Robin, everyone here at the Point is Recovery podcast and Turning Point of Tampa, we just want to say thank you for taking your time out. I know we know you're busy with the transition and everything, and um, thank you so much for all the good work that you're doing. And, you know, we will continue to stay informed and, you know, be, in, be involved with NATAP as we do get the emails and stuff. So sincerely, thank you so much. Yeah, we really appreciate Absolutely. we really appreciate you explaining because it, it is a bit confusing, I think, whenever you start talking about what's happening on the federal level. So I really appreciate you explaining everything. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Thank you for your time today, Mark. We All appreciate right. you sharing day. your insight. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Join us for Episode 13 with comedian and person in long-term recovery, Mark Lundholm. New episodes of this podcast will air bi-weekly on Wednesdays. This podcast is hosted by Ashley Neal and Chris Masudi. It is written and produced by Joan Brown and Beverly Womack. Thank you to today's guests for sharing their experience with addiction and recovery. You can find additional information about this podcast at thepointisrecoverypodcast.com. To learn more about Turning Point of Tampa, please visit our website at tpoftampa.com and follow us on social media. We will have links to all of our social media in the show notes. Turning Point of Tampa is a treatment provider with over 30 years of experience helping people who suffer with addiction and eating disorders.